This podcast is brought to you with support from The Big Idea, New Zealand's online hub for creative people. The Big Idea aims to support talented, innovative individuals and organisations and advocates for creativity as an essential ingredient in the cultural and economic wealth of New Zealand. Their website is thebigidea.nz. Welcome to Don't Give Up Your Day Job, the podcast. A podcast. No, you're supposed to say the only podcast. The only podcast that Danny listens to. (laughs) (laughs) I only listen to my own podcast. I only listen to my own music. Yeah. Why why would you listen to any other? I know, all other music sucks. Yep, fair enough. Um, And so today, our um, sponsor, I'll get straight to it, eh? Well, yeah, okay, yeah, do it. Yeah, go, go. Because our sponsor today um, has obviously had such amazing results from the last um, batch of sponsorship he did for us right back in the very beginning. Was he? I think he was our first sponsor. He might have been our first. Right. Or they might have been our first. The um, Rains, Gibson and Matthews Accountants Limited. Yes. They um, have been great great supporters of of the um, uh, podcast and they've come back on board so that's really cool and we appreciate that. So um, big shout out to Mark Rains who is actually our accountant of of this, um, what is this thing we do? Well, I, I, don't, I don't know if we know yet, but we're still working on it. Entertainment conglomerate. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> just talk it up. Yeah. Um, so, Rains, Gibson and Matthews Accountants Limited, they uh, they have a website, of course, also. Yes. Um, rgmaccountants.co.nz. And um, they've been yeah, they've given us some great advice but, but, over the time. But, Bobby, over we're, the, we're yeah. musicians. Why do we need accountants? Well, because um, you need to know where your money's going, Danny. You but need all to know I want to do is from. play the guitar and sit by the pool and smoke it, weed. But you don't want to get paid for it? But, you know, someone else is going to take care of that, right? Your accountant. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right, Danny. And you need to know that if you don't pay your taxes on time, you're going to get in deep shit. Right, yeah. And you'll get, um, you know, I've heard of people who haven't paid their taxes on time in oh, the entertainment too. industry. Yeah. And, and it just starts racking up. Debt, uh, you know, racking up penalties and late fees. And oh, I have a particular memory that I think actually changed my life a little bit because okay. I was playing a gig when I was about maybe twenty, and the guy who booked us, who was who was just the guy who booked the music for the bar, it's just a little bar gig. Yeah. Um, and he was just chatting to us beforehand, and he said, um, he, he he said how he owed the IRD ten thousand dollars, just for okay. just for a mistake in a, in his account. Or something. A big mistake. Yeah, and I know $10,000 isn't the end of the world, but I, mm. I, at the time I was completely broke, and I was like, $10,000? <laughs> Your life is fucked. That's like, 10,000 scoops of chips. <laughs> I, I was just like, you, you may as well be dead. Like, that, you're over. That's the, that, <laughs> you're completely fucked. Right. <laughs> and, and I just thought, I wonder how he's ever going to get out of that. Um, yeah. I happen to still know the guy, and, and um, he's actually doing very well. But I thought to myself, if that happened to me, it would just destroy me. <laughs> right. And so it just made me, you know, a lot more conscious of that sort of thing. You'd have to sell your comic book collection to pay for that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so that's why, that, that's a great story, Danny, as to why it's important to have a good accountant. And yeah. um, Rains, Gibson and Matthew Accountants, they don't just do um, music people, they do all kinds of things. So right. um, check them out if you're not a music industry person as well. Yep. Again, that web address is co. .nz. So our guest today is Michelle Becker. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Michelle Becker. So Michelle um, Becker is, she's kind of a, a, a one of a kind really. That, I think so, yeah. That I've heard of. Um, I haven't really heard of anyone doing what she's doing in the, in the approach that she's taking. Mm. Um, so she's a minimalist. 
Yep. She's a, 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 um, a motivational speaker. Yep. Um, but more important, importantly, I think, is she is just a passionate, uh, intuitive um, music lover. Mm. Uh, yep. and, um, and she's made a career out of that in terms of managing bands and being involved in the music industry from, from a very young age. Yeah, and, and I think both of us are a little bit taken aback and impressed by how... Um, authentic and, and and also ethically minded she is. I mean, she's really trying to put together a, a working relationship with her artists that mm. that works for everybody. Yeah, and we've been in the business a while. That's not yeah, always the case. No, <laughs> so yeah, that's refreshing. It's really exciting, and I think um, I think that I, I have no way of backing this up, but I, I feel like business is changing, or has been changing for the last thirty or forty years. Where perhaps in the past business was more cold blooded and and it was more about just making money and ruthless, more, more ruthless, yeah, yeah. But you know, ethical business. And I think CEOs and including very very famous wealthy ones are starting to realise that that when you look after people and you've got happy employees and when things are above board, mm. it's a better mm. better long play. Oh, absolutely. Mm. It's that sort of um, if you're in a corporation, the work life balance thing, you know. Um, mm. And looking after your employees, and they will look after you, and you, they're more productive, they're happier, right. they're, there's less sick time, yep. um, less you know fucking around at work and goofing off. Um, you get more, look, you get more out of them. You get more out of like, them, like like they you know in in regards to coming up with ideas and yep. initiative and that sort of thing. Yeah, and I think uh, I said it in the, in the um, in the podcast. She is like a Gen Xer living like a millennial. You know, she's yep. she doesn't. She doesn't want to have possessions um, or be tied down to, with a mortgage to to any particular place. Yeah. While, and she says this in the podcast many times, we touch on it. She loves New Zealand and she loves being here, doing what she's doing. But mm. she's also, you know, she's got this band that she's that are going to be global superstars over in America. So. Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've also invited them along at some point. So hopefully they'll partake in now a little uh, what we're doing here a little adventure absolutely and I mean I always love people who who think on their own terms you know I, I don't think um you need to necessarily go against what everyone else is doing but it's just about rethinking it yeah know? and yeah, and yeah. and you know I mean we only get one shot so why yeah. should we just slot into what we're what we're told to do and how we're told to live yeah there's not just one way to to do one to do not. things you know yeah uh, and and people are finding that more and more these days yeah I remember years ago, uh, I was I was dating this girl, and her dad was a was a really awesome kind of progressive, open minded guy, and he had I think a nephew or a friend's son or something, mm. and the father was beside himself because this kid he was maybe eighteen or something, and he goes, "All I want to do is surf. I just want to spend a few years going around the world surfing." Yeah, and his father's like, "No, but you've got to do this and this and this," and my girlfriend's dad was going, um, "Just like let him do it." Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, he saved a bit of money. Just let him surf for a few years. What's wrong uh-huh. with that? Yeah. He can come back and study after that. You, you get, um, you know, people used to say, and I think I've literally had friends who've said, I just want to play video games, <laughs> Yeah, you know, f- for a living. And you, <laughs> you can't fucking do that. Some of the wealthiest people in the world on YouTube, you know, in terms of the YouTube realm of, right. um, you know, they're video gamers. Yeah. All they do is they play video games and they film themselves doing it and they comment over it and they make stupid, you know, goofy errors and they just goof around. Right. And yet they're some of the richest people in entertainment these days, you know? Yeah, yeah. People you might not know walking down the street or, or what have you, but um, no, it's a new game out there, I think, for people wanting to do their own thing and make 
make a life of it, a lifestyle we've choice. Got, we've got a very pushy society right now, don't we? We're constantly telling each other how we're supposed to be and how we're, what's, what we're supposed to eat and yep. what we're supposed to spend our time. You've got to be at this place from nine to five, <laughs> yeah. you know, five days a week. And, and some choices, you don't have to agree with it or understand it, but you've got to let people live their lives, you know. Mm. I, I remember years ago I had a saxophonist in the band and his commitment wasn't, it, start, it got to the point where his commitment wasn't matching outs. And so we... Um, sat down with him and said, where are you coming from? And he was he was complaining that we we're gigging too much, which was really funny to us because we we're an originals band in Auckland. And so we we're gigging maybe once a week or once a fortnight, like uh, yeah. gigging in, it's hard to gig regularly in New Zealand, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so anyway, he goes, we're gigging too much and I, I just, I'm, I'm over it. And I, we said, what do you want to do? And he goes, basically, I just want to play video games, smoke weed and ride my horse. <laughs> he, lived, well, you know. he, he lived on the farm like an hour south or something and he had yeah. a horse right, right at his house you know yeah. and I remember just thinking well I completely don't relate to that you know I have yeah. no no I mean yeah okay maybe you know a part of it but not as a whole thing yeah. and and not as a lifestyle decision yeah and I wouldn't yeah. quit a band over it right <laughs> you know but that's what he wanted to do yeah you know and do, uh, do you know does he do that I don't know. I mean, I mean, he left the band. We left it on very, very good terms. I have to say because it was yeah. very, it was a respectful conversation. Yeah. You know, he wanted that. We wanted this, and we said, well, clearly we're on. We're going in different directions. He said, yep, I see that. Cool, man. What's well, been great? The last couple of years have been great. You know. Yeah. Um, and we kept in touch with him briefly because we always we still fulfilled gigs and studio um, commitments. Yeah. And then I never saw him again. But right, I assume okay. he's still on the farm smoking weed and riding his horse. <laughs> I've just got this picture of a guy on horseback with a saxophone in one hand and a, yeah, a yeah. joint in the other. And perhaps that was an unhealthy choice on his part. I don't know. Uh, maybe you he's, never know. Maybe he's having a great time. He might have a YouTube channel about <laughs> That's true. weed and horses. <laughs> exactly. And saxophone with a saxophone soundtrack. So you never know. Now, just before we press record, you mentioned an article or something that you were... Oh, yeah, I read an article. Uh, uh, it's a long and involved thing and I... Uh, probably going to get the stats mixed up what, what, what's it's stuff? the rise and the fall of um the new zealand music industry you know there's people right. going uh, we, we you know we talk a little bit about this with with michelle how the industry's changed yeah and she's found a way to make it work for her and mm. um and work around that system and then she's got this new exciting thing that she couldn't talk about yeah um that that might be happening um so stay tuned for that but yeah um you know, it's long been talked about how the early 2000s were sort of a renaissance for New Zealand music in a lot of ways. Right. And we've talked about the, the, the whole funding model um, with New Zealand on air and, and mm-hmm. it kind of coincided with, I guess, the, the article talks about how the Labour government, when they came in, they put more money into the arts, mm. something like almost $90 million, and which was also a boost to the New Zealand on air thing yeah and that's where the fifty thousand dollar grant system came into play right um and what that what that did is it opened up doors for record companies so so we were getting a lot of overseas content in new zealand coming from overseas but not much was being generated here yeah um not like a cultural sort of touchstone of where we're at as a music kind of society or culture really Mm. um and people like Chris Caddick at EMI, you know, they they saw, you know, like Beck Runger come through, Supergroove, um, The Feelers, and were like, there is something here that we can tap into. Right. And it's not just EMI who did it. You know, Sony, they have, Sony had Beck Runger and then they went Brooke Fraser and, and a whole bunch of, uh, you know, Stella and all those yeah. sort of stuff. But but EMI had more New Zealand artists on their sta- stable than, than anyone. 
but the point was that that fifty thousand dollar grant thing from New Zealand there gave record companies a little bit more confidence to go well we can stump up with another you will match it dollar for dollar mm. and um and get some quality kind of you know great studio time and with great producers and get lift the quality of New Zealand music in a way or music being produced and written and played and produced in this country yeah so you did tend to see the results of that you know um if you if the stats are to be believed from 2001 right sort of up to I guess 2010, mm. you would see a, a lot more Kiwi artists year on year being in the charts and in particular the top 40, um, uh, which is that, you know, that the sharp end of the of the music business where thing, you know, obviously things yeah. are selling music-wise. Um, we're selling, yeah. Yeah, we're selling. And, <laughs> yeah. But there's also some misconceptions about the that $50,000 grant that it was what was going to just a select group of musicians or... or, or um, it was mainly focused on commercial success and, and is that a misconception well and no the, the misconception was that that was just a handout right. but actually you were supposed to be paying that money back in record companies yes. in varying degrees did attempt you know tried to do that with through record sales right so but then there was a review of the New Zealand um, on-air funding scheme that particular scheme mm. um, that ironically Chris Caddick um, was tasked with carrying out and interviewing people and talking to musicians, and he said that there was a lot of really, uh, on, you know, boring on offensive feedback about it, <clears throat> but also misconceived uh, um, the, the the approach to giving or to granting that money that had to be paid back. But anyway, so that subsequently that was scrapped that fifty thousand dollar record grant, and what happened then was that record companies didn't want to then couldn't fund and didn't want to fund um solely take the risk yeah um and that's decisions happening overseas you know in parent companies not not locally here Mm. um from what i understand and so what happened was you were getting a lot more funding going to you know less um commercial concentration or on, on commercial success more on the art side of things um right so you were getting a lot more music out there but no one was hearing it because mm, yeah. it's not being promoted, it's not being, it's not in the stores for physical sale. You were getting, you know, ten thousand dollar music videos made that were not being viewed on YouTube because right. that's the only place that these bands who didn't have label support or whatever could put them. So there was that, and 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 they say that that's kind of uh, the music industry in this country has suffered from from that in a way. I agree. Um, in terms of the commercial mm. side of things. And then to top that off, you get the whole streaming thing, which was the crux of the thing from my point of view. In right. fact, the um, the article was called Don't Stream, It's Over. Uh, and you could take that two ways. You know, like our don't give up your day job. Right. You know, you could take the don't give up, full stop. Yeah. That's your day job. Your yeah. day job is not giving up, which is kind of the where we've landed with our mantra for this podcast in a way. I mean, I think that was your idea with the, certainly with the... Um, the design, the graphic, of the, the logo, the logo. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at it, don't stream. Full stop. It's over. It's almost. It's like the sky is falling in a way. And I, and I say <laughs> that because downloads and streams of music became a part of the way that that charts, the music charts, were being made in this country, right? Or being decided on because it's a, it's a true reflection of if people aren't buying music, how do you get a metric or 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 a, or a take on? what's been consumed right well if streaming is the the main consumption uh, mechanism then you, you you factor that into okay so the top number one um 
single this week is such and such because of yeah sure yeah. Down, digital legitimate sales and streaming you mix those together so what that did was it they say is it completely gutted the route of um bands getting in the top new zealand bands getting in the top 40 right um so we went some from t- the year 2013 to this year from having about t- i think it was 26 kiwi acts on average in the top 40 in 2013 um down to two this year right and those both being lord and 660 mm. uh and and then if you look at the um at the domination of the if you take just the new zealand part of the top 40 out the top 10 singles are lord she's got seven of them and 660 have three of them yeah but even if you go further of the top 40 new zealand singles those those two acts dominate that and that's because people are just streaming those songs over and over and over and over and over and over again yeah like you would normally listen to a cd you know so we haven't had that we've never had that view that overview of people's listening patterns before until now with streaming right so we didn't know that people buy a cd and take you could guess right mm. they buy a cd and they take it home and listen to it a thousand times and it's it's not just in new zealand it's happening overseas where someone like ed sheeran releases an album and he dominates the, the album and singles charts because people are listening to that album over and over and over again right on streaming so um there's an imbalance there that that i think that they're trying to address why are they so concerned about the charts haven't the charts lost their relevancy um how do you mean well, what, what do the charts mean well that's um it, it's been a touchstone for people to go well this is what's popular now this yeah. is what i i go and so it's a, this it's, is going to sell ticket sales it's going to sell merchandise it's so gonna, it, it's a symbol it's a it's um it's, it's a golden it's, it's a, a golden cow like it's like doesn't really mean anything especially now in practically i, I mean i mean in the past the idea i guess that was that the charts Represented radio success or pop success or yeah, audience, or audience participation success. or whatever. Yeah. Um, now that the whole global industry has changed, mm. um, now we're dealing with you know this this industry full of little boutique movements. Yeah. You know, there's there's a few artists that get away. You know, there's there's Adele, there's Ed Sheeran, there's there's these, there's a few absolutely massive artists, mm. but the rest of everybody else are just like little. You know, releasing mm. releasing little boutique things. Yeah. So, w- what relevancy do the charts have now? Why do we need to spend huge amounts of money and time that, maintaining an old idea? So, what I, I don't I don't have an opinion either way, whether we should or not. But yeah. um, I think that for the health of an industry, you, it's it's all well and good to have all these little pockets of things happening. Yeah. But in terms of the health of an industry, that traditionally turnover of record sales or um, ticket sales or yeah. and the peripheral stuff that comes with that an industry is not just the musicians it's also the the accountants the absolutely the, and i'm not saying i'm not necessarily saying that the industry is at its healthiest point mm. i'm just saying that's where it is right now but yeah. also the other thing and further to what you were just saying about industry is is the whole dialogue about about the funding thing and all of that and the guy um, who was tasked with talking to the musicians and getting feedback and all that sort of stuff the guy it's Chris Caddick he's a legend come on <laughs> um, I mean who which musicians did he talk to did he talk to just famous ones just you know uh, quote mark <laughs> successful musicians what does that mean though well what I mean is you know history is written by the winners right so what about all of the fantastic artists out there that didn't happen to be 
you know, who aren't selling records or the tickets. Well, who weren't flavor of the month and didn't get there. What the panel didn't decide to give them the grant. You know, yeah, they're not worse musicians than the ones who got the grants. I don't know. It became, that, um, it became an industry based on favoritism. Right. So that was the that's the one of the main criticisms Absolutely. of it. Well, it's fact. You can't deny it. Uh, I can deny as it. As soon as you've got, as soon as you've got other people deciding, re- regardless of watching right. what the and, audience, and wants. that's the crux of what, what what I'm getting at with the whole the, at the end of the streaming conversation. Yeah, is that the listeners are deciding what they're going to listen to, and but they don't seem to be moving on right. to fresh new stuff. And it and in the past that was curated by the record companies. Yeah, like they would literally, and it says this in the article, you would have a physical CD single or CD album. Yeah. And then once that ran out, once they sold out in stores, you didn't. They didn't replenish that because they they would then move the audience onto the next single of that next band or sure. the of that or even that same band, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then so you've got more throughput of music. Mm. But now that people are curating their own playlists and listening to what they want to listen to, they're not moving on. They're not being pushed along or moved along. So things are stagnating as the... Well, as the... my explanation for that is, I mean, I, I always think about when Brian Epstein first discovered the Beatles. He did so because he noticed every day there was a queue down the street. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? And yeah. He followed the queue and found the, the cavern yeah. and went in to find out what was going on and saw the Beatles playing. Yeah. And he's like, there's an audience here. There's a market here for this. Mm. This, hasn't been, this hasn't been capitalized on yet. You know, So all he did was he put the business around an, an existing fan base and he built yeah. it. And in the music industry, for the longest time, we seem to be doing it the other way around. There's no market demand. There's no fan base. There's no enthusiasm. Yeah. But we think this is cool. We think this suits what we're looking for. We'll we'll boost it up and yeah. then expect it to work. And the and the audience is like, well, I just bought the latest Keith Urban record. I don't give a shit about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, and, and, so, and oftentimes those things don't work that way for them, do they? There's no basis for them to work. Yeah. All of that is a punt. You know. Yeah. So then when you've got what you're talking about with streaming patterns now. Um, why are people engaging with those songs? Um, how are they hearing about it to click on it? You know, the thing about Spotify is you can you can listen to anyone at, at the same level of priority. You know what I mean? Like you could you could find a completely unknown song, or you could find Ed Sheeran's song. So what's drawing them to that? And how are the audience developing a relationship with the band? How, but how do they find them? Do they go searching for them. Uh, well, I don't have the answer for you, but I, I, right. feel, I mean. So, how do they know what to search for? Well, I think there's all these music funny, charts. there's all these funny things happening. Possibly the music charts for that type of thing. Yeah. Um, but that is that's why I think you're seeing only 660 and Lord and the New Zealand part of it because they get huge amounts of publicity. But where's the opportunity for the young punk band to come up through the ranks? But what what feeds that publicity and that 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 drive and that want to do to get behind them and push them is the, the hype constant. machine. No, well, it's a, it's kind of like a it is, it is hype, but it's also um, there is that element to it. But mm. there's also the the willingness of the public to want to keep going back and listening to them and listening and listening and listening. But I don't know if you can trust that stat because people will return to what they know. You right, know, it's the same. That's like, my point. It's like the audience in New Zealand is not very good at listening to music they don't know. Yeah. Whereas overseas, like in, in LA, yeah. it's hard to play covers live because people don't want to hear covers. They want to yeah. hear what you've got to... They want to hear original music. It's, it's completely back like, right. it's completely back to front to hear. I actually heard that it was going the other way now. Certainly, well, maybe it is the record companies. They're wanting, to, they're wanting artists to do covers of songs now um, because people are starting... You know, the YouTube phenomenon of of nobodies yeah. coming through and doing covers and being suddenly, you know, like really good arrangements uh, of covers. Uh, you're probably right. And I think even that's a great example of how we can't 
necessarily automatically read into all this stuff because you know I'm talking to musicians that I know on the ground in LA who are saying that they're going out and and covers don't work people just right. people the audiences on the ground in the venues don't care mm. um, but I I'm guessing you're probably completely right but they like original st- and new original yeah stuff. people want to go out and hear, out hear the it. new hip band yeah. it's, it's actually what you do there is you go and find the new hip original and we band. talked about this with Michelle a little bit in yeah. the podcast about the old music store days. Yeah. You yeah. Know, when you'd go into a music store and you'd have someone who's passionate and loves music, passionate about it. Yeah. The, um, the, ner- the music nerd who would go, yeah, that it's a great album you've just bought, but mm. this one, if you like that, listen to this. And their job is to upsell, of course, to make yeah. more profit yeah. or to, you know, sell more units. But, but literally those are the guys who you could go back to. I would have a guy when I worked in music stores, um, come back to me every week and buy hundreds of dollars worth of CDs because yeah. he would know that I'll give him what, what what I think and he'll listen to it and and agree or not yeah that um, that I'm on the right track for him. Uh, me me and a buddy used to go to a record stores a lo- like every few weeks would it'd be our hang and yeah. um, get a coffee afterwards and we'd both have um, in our phone we would have saved all the stuff we'd heard about. Right, and like I've yeah. got a like this Earth, Wind, and Fire album, or this you know this yeah. this uh, like Stones album, or whatever you yeah. know, just make this list of all this stuff, and then you're hunting through the, the bins, yeah. looking for vinyl and CDs. And, but then you get the uh, you've got the algorithms and like um, on the YouTube play channel, pl- um, playlists and and Spotify, yeah, that will decide for you based on what you've listened to in the past. But I don't what want to listen shit. to what a load of shit. Yeah, I remember my friend, the same guy actually, first told me about Ryan Adams, and yeah. and he goes, um, "Have you heard Ryan Adams?" And I said, oh, yeah, he plays, like, that mellow stuff. Like, I'm not really into that sort of thing. And, and he goes, um, oh, why not? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I just don't like that kind of drippy songwriter thing. Um, <laughs> that that, that navel-gazing thing. It's never worked yeah, for me, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, and he goes, oh, man, like, that's not all he's about, you know? And he told me a couple of albums um, to check out. Yeah. And I did. And I've been a huge Ryan Adams fan ever since. Right. And and listening to those albums gave context to his quieter stuff. And now I love that stuff too. And, now, you know, I, I'm going to... And um, algorithm's never going to tell me that. No, exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, and uh, I'm just going to jump because you've just reminded me of something that I wanted to talk about and I didn't know where to put it. Yeah. And probably this has gone on long enough, I know. Um, <laughs> but I was listening to a podcast the other day. When you're talking about Shall we put Michelle on the next episode? Yeah, let's, let's do that. <laughs> when, you, um, when you're talking about droopy sort of navel-gazing singer-songwriters... <laughs> yeah. Right. It reminded me of a podcast that I that I was reluctant to listen to at first because I thought that that Billy Corgan was a, a complete sort of you know tortured self important <laughs> navel gazing asshole. Right. Uh, I've heard him in in interviews before and seen him, and he's just this kind of really kind of down morbid, morose kind of dude. Not morbid, morose. Yeah, is the word. Um, and it, he so he did a podcast on the Joe Rogan Experience, which is a podcast I listen to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I listened to it, and I'm, this guy couldn't have been sweeter. He couldn't have been more articulate. And and getting into his um, whole thing about uh, that expectation of him to be sort of that um, goth vampire type um, right. artist, tortured artist, that was a character he was playing. Yeah, and that was um, he he carefully crafted that, and um, and sold records. Mm. And so I completely bought into it and went along this journey with him in his story until he's talked about seeing a shapeshifter. Um, <laughs> but anyway, but the, he, he owns a, a, um, a wrestling company now, like a WWE type thing. Wow. Um, I think it's called the TWA or whatever. Yeah. Or is that an airline? I don't know. Um, in, in America, <laughs> he, he bought that 
because he just loves wrestling. Right. And so um, it reminded me of that conversation that I had to change my mindset about Billy Corgan. I'm a fan of his now. I, right. I've always liked his music. I didn't like him. I thought he was a dipshit. But um, <laughs> he gets into some things about the music industry, which I completely go along with, completely agree with. Yeah. He talks about his band and why it fell apart in, in, in the initial years. And, and he was getting this advice from people. If you want to make a shit ton of money like mm. you know fuck you kind of god type money right um make sure that you split everything evenly within the band yeah you know this is advice he was getting from people because you know resentment builds when one person's earning more money or getting more kind of accolades and it will tear you apart absolutely again he the long said, play the long and play. he said fuck that i wrote the songs i'm gonna keep the you know the publishing right and it tore the band apart, right? Yeah. Because people just wanted to talk to the songwriter, the you know, blah, blah, blah. so he went into this whole thing, and um, I th- I think that might be true. It's true for some big band. I think it might be true for you too, maybe. Yep, you too. It's all been um, evenly divided. Radiohead, Coldplay. Oh, Radiohead. That's why that's those right, bands yeah. are still around. It, again, treating people right. Yeah. You know, looking yeah. after each other. Mm. Yeah. Which is something that our guest, that's the model that she puts in play. They have a new model where everyone gets treated respectfully and. And and that's what we've been um, arguing for a while is that now that the industry is sort of in pieces, it's an opportunity to rebuild yeah. and rebuild in a way that's going to work for us properly for for everyone involved. Yeah, nice. Well, we've, this has gone on way too fucking long. This intro. Should we just jump into? <laughs> I'll it? cut it down to like three minutes with Michelle yeah. Backer. No, but I said some really good shit. Yeah, but <laughs> all right, let's talk to Michelle. Now let's do this. <laughs> I've got a band uh, heading to Tijuana right now to play tonight. They're on a tour in Mexico. Right. Oh, yeah. Nice. So they played uh, Ensenada last night, and um, well, they should be there. They should be sort of like sound checking about now in, right. in Tijuana. So cool. yeah. So how does that work with you not there? Are they like? Do they get? Um, how it works is is kind of like um, it's just all digital. You know, it's sort of like just Skype and me being really, really passionate about what I do and waking up. At sort of, I start work every day about five thirty. What? Put the coffee okay. on. Well, because of the time change. You <laughs> oh, know? Right. yeah, yeah. Um, and so, I when I signed this band, I came back to New Zealand, and so the Dead Poet Society and I've spent a year working together mm. via, you know, the Skype and Facebook and right. Viber, and it's just been incredible, you know. Right. And um, do, do they have a tour manager or anything with them? Not yet, not no. yet, not yet. So mm-hmm. it's just them, and we have um, one of the promoters from Mexico. Yeah, uh, he's he's with them. Right, but they've 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 headlined. They've they've toured Mexico like six times. This is the sixth time, and I think they've headlined three times. So it's wow. where all our love is, yeah. you know, where yeah, every, yeah. everyone shows up. Yeah, yeah, but it was unfortunate last night because the venue um, had agreed that it was an all ages gig, so that was cool. So. A lot of our fans are, are younger, you know, mm-hmm. so they'd spent their week's wages on tickets and stuff or to, to buy the ticket. And last minute, like literally all the kids are lined up, and last minute the, the venue goes, ah, it's not, it's not all ages now. Oh, shit. And so, like, the kids were sent home with their parents and the oh, band felt wow. so bad, but some of the younger kids stayed and when the band went on, the venue let 
those kids in. <laughs> I know, I know, I know, what I know. A mess. I know. The sound yeah. guy was like two and a half hours late. Would have um, two and a half hours late. Yeah, there's a lot of compromising going on last night. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, right? could could you have um, greased the wheels a little bit with maybe a few? Shekels or pesos? Well, well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay, you, you got go. it. Here's a, here's a suitcase you got full it. of uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you um, got can it. I get those kids in now. Or? Yeah, that was so. I mean, it just kind of broke the band's Not to hearts, smirch, you know, watching uh, these kids Mexico, go. But. No, 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 no. So, um, what, what was the reason for them making that sudden decision to exclude? Don't the know. Kids? I've, I was trying to find out this morning, but of course, no one was around to, right. to ask. Yeah. So that, yeah. that, that's the. I guess that's what I was alluding to when I asked the first question. If you're not there on the ground. How, who deals with those sort of situations? Yeah, well, we have a booking agent out in New York, um, Andrew, from TKO Booking. Okay. And uh, we're just starting to switch things up to the next level as in now. So right. the band are a, a serious touring band, so that's all they mm. do is they just right. they just play, which yeah. is awesome because for me, you know, I love music so much that it was really important to me that if I was going to stay in this business as a manager, yeah, I had to have a band that just played. Yeah. Right. And I know that might sound really crazy, but so many bands today don't. No, but you want someone who's as invested as you are. 100%. Yeah. And going, okay, we're just going to play. We're going to play in Long Beach. We're going to, you know. Yeah. And uh, this band graduated from Berkeley School of Music last year, mm-hmm. packed up like literally two days later and drove out to California where, I, you know, where I've been living and couldn't afford to live in L.A. Right. Mm. You know? And so they're in um, SoCal, so they're down sort of like down a ways. Yeah. Um, and they just play. They play, you know. They play. They just say yes. You right, know, I'll, right. I'll wake up to a text or whatever from someone, and I'll go, guys, can you do this? Yes, you know. And they just drive and they play and they play and they play. And so, for me, I don't even have to ask them to play. Right. And they're so good live. Like they're, mm. they're just so so. So good they're all Berkeley graduates. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two of them, um, Jack and Nick. Uh, we're high, like primary school friends in New Jersey. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And then um, then the band was formed in Berkeley. And Jack, the lead singer, heard about me and saw what I was doing for other acts. And so sort of um, through a friend of a friend, tracked me down at a gig at, um, in Boston backstage. I was so, like, impressed with him, you know. <laughs> yeah. And um, a band that I was working with was, was opening up for Third Eye Blind. And there's this guy, Jack, and he's got some music. And... And it just wasn't. It, it, as soon as I heard the music, like even I think he even found a way onto the into the van. It's <laughs> <laughs> sort of going, my Stalker. God, if this guy can do this, right. you know, like full respect. He's a hustler. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, but that was I think about two years ago, and I just wasn't in a position to fully say yes because when I say yes, it's you get all of me. Right. And they were still at Berkeley, and I just. I just couldn't. I couldn't go. Yes, I will f- completely be your manager. So they, we, we were, you know, we hung out. But as soon as I heard the music, that was it. Right. The music hit me in my heart, and once it hits me in my heart, I can't walk away. Yeah, yeah. I, and I just can't. Yeah. So two years later, um, I was kind of thinking about: Am I going to leave the music business again? Like, you know, how many times have we? Yeah, we've done that once or twice, right? <laughs> I thought yeah. that was just me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then, then the band were out in California, and it was just like I, I, I thought, you know what? I'm going to be really true to, even though I am all the time, I was going to be like, I'm going to be really true and answer all the questions myself. And if this band can tick all the boxes, I'm going to be in with all my whole heart. Right. And they did. Yeah. So, um, so then I came down here um, in December a year ago, actually, 
and um, the band and I've spent the last year crazy Skype and just I don't know you know we've done really well so awesome. yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing them in January um, and actually you know being face to face I think it's going to be amazing yeah. you raise an interesting point with the thing about you know wanting to work with people who are all in you know one of the outcomes of the modern world and, and the way that the, the money is and the business has changed and technology has changed is that the, the the number of people who are full-time musicians or able to really give it that much is significantly reduced. Totally. You know, it's so much more expensive to tour and it's so much harder to make a living. Mm. You more and, and, and I think we're in the same position as well with people we work with is you're working with people who have seven other jobs. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to, that priority thing is difficult. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a constant hustle. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm constantly rewiring or reworking my lifestyle in order to do what I love. Mm-hmm. And for bands, especially like Dead Poet Society, I mean, th- we've got some great things brewing right now. Yeah. But for this whole year, Danny, they've been delivering pizzas, yep. driving Ubers, mm. working in a, I think, like a, I don't know where Nick works, but, you know, they're all they're all holding down day jobs as right. well. Nick's a drug dealer, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just didn't I, just, I was like, I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, or a male stripper. <laughs> just conveniently spacing out on me. Um, but, you know, they all work full time and do all social media, which is yeah. a full time job. Mm. And these guys practice Four, when they're on tour, about three to four nights a week, yeah, as well as play shows. But that's a different thing because, that, and I really think that's great because I think it's important to always have a work ethic mm. um, and never become a rock star in your own mind. Mm-mm, you know, um, they're working towards what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So if they have to sell pizza to get through the week so they can make rehearsal, that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But what I'm talking about are the sort of what I'd think of as being more weekend warriors. Right. You know, the people who aren't going anywhere they're just playing a bit and they've got a job and they've got these other things yeah and that's not a bad thing no it's no. just like i've been a full-time musician for like what 12 13 years or something yeah. and so it's just part of my dynamic in my career to constantly be working with people who are unavailable for a while you know i'll get back to you in three days well right. i kind of need to know now yeah 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 <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 i totally get that so how do you manage or navigate that kind of thing because uh, that's all levels of the industry isn't it yeah um you know what danny i'm, I'm pretty i got touch wood i'm pretty blessed because the people that I work with, um, we just we, we just say yes, right? Like serious, you know. Like I, I actually don't have haven't had that. especially mm. like you know my whole heart is with this band and it's a full time job for me. Yeah, um, and we're aligned. Cool. And that's why um, when you when and that's why I think as a manager, you, you know you've got to be able to tick all the boxes. You can have a really an amazing talented artist come to you or be introduced to you, and yeah. and their music is fantastic. Mm. And it, it it strikes a chord, but they don't want to play, or they're not available. You know, all of yeah, that. I just right. I can't because it's just it won't. I'm I want to get results for you, yeah, as well as me, and and it just it, it can't work. So I just won't waste my time. So your values are, are aligned. Yours 100%, and beers, yeah, yep. aligned. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That's yeah. something that I learned over the years. The years is that it's it's choosing to work with the right people is is key. Because if you if you're choosing if you're working with the wrong people, you yeah. can't change them. No, you can't. Yeah. I mean, it's not. You know, it's yeah. hard. It's not. It's hard. But it's like, um, you know, it, this this band in particular. It's at least you know they're a they're a band, and so we're not waiting around for other people. Right. We have a we have a Facebook message thread, and all communication is on there. Right. And if no one reads it, it's just not it's just not acceptable. Yeah. You know, like so. I mean, Danny, we're really onto it. So all communication goes through this yeah 
and and they just know they know to check their emails all the time because I won't repeat myself twice. That's brilliant. Yeah. I yeah. won't because yeah. it's like if you if you can't check your emails and if you need to ask me something, it's just like you know where, yeah. where's your intention at? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You, you mentioned earlier about um you know thinking about getting out of the music industry yet again. What what are some of the things that that sort of put you in that mindset about the industry? Oh, great, that's a great, great question because it's happened. It's happened tw- tw- twice, twice, three times in, in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time it happened um, was b- when the when the industry was changing, like the the when streaming started to kick in. Yeah. And so what I felt and what I was experiencing was it was no longer about the art or the music. Mm. It was about the numbers and the stats. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just I don't give a sh- I don't care about the stats and the numbers. I care about the art. Right. Yeah. I care about the music. And I saw what was happening was I was presenting music to labels, but, you know, they didn't care. They wanted to know what the numbers were, mm. how many views. And, yeah. and, and, I, and I was going, okay, I get it. They want to know if there's a demand yeah. so an they audience, can invest their money. Audience. So they want that. I, I understand mm. that. But, mm. but really, you know, they were looking at um, the value, that the money that was spent in the music video, thinking, oh, okay, there's going to be money there that this – Bands going to put into their career, yeah. And um, I was my my mentor. What was he's passed away? Was a man called Jazz Summers, and he ran a, a management company in London called Big Life. All right. And uh, the first guy he ever signed was George Michael. Wow. Oh, okay. And so Jazz and I was he's old, he's passed away, but he you know we were sitting in London about four, three or four years ago, and I said, I'm not earning any money. There was another big factor. It was kind of like par and par. It was just like, God, oh my God, you know, how long can I keep doing this for the for the passion and the purpose? Because mm. this this what I do is not a is not a job. Right. So it's really difficult to you know, because it's 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 one. So, you know, you know, it's I don't wake up and go to an office. This is this is work and, and life are one. Yeah. So it's a lifestyle for you. A hundred percent, you yeah. know, and when you're working and you're representing artists, you've got to be on all the time. You mm. know, it's not it's not a glass that you're, you're managing, you're managing someone's heart and soul. Mm. So I said to Jazz, you know, do you think there's going to be any way to make any money in, in this <laughs> music business? And he said, well, look, I'm actually, you know, I'm going to, I'm on my way out. I'm going to, he's, he'd written a book. And he said, but if there's anybody back that can walk out of this restaurant and come across the next band that's going to be a household name, it's you. And he said to okay. me, don't turn your back on New Zealand. That's actually what he said to me. Interesting. And it was really interesting, mm. you know. And um, so I walked out of the restaurant or whatever and, and, um, um, and, and I really listened to what he said because it was just like if, if someone like me didn't have the um, – I don't know what to use for the word because I can't say the word, but if someone doesn't have the – the, the, the passion and no fear mm-hmm. to believe in an artist when there's no numbers, there's no stats, you know, and you've got to build them up. It's going to take yeah. a while. Mm-hmm. So you've really got to be able to tick all those boxes. Yeah. And and you're going on that journey with the band as oh, they're developing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, so what, did, what was it that he said? What did he mean about don't turn your back on New Zealand? Well, I was living in LA. I've lived there for 20 plus years. Yeah. And and I'd, I'd managed one artist from New Zealand, Greg Johnson. Yeah. Yep to America and that was mm-hmm. awesome I just saw him in um, yeah he's just toured New Zealand yeah right? I just saw him in the Hawke's Bay cool. at Hol- yeah. Hol- Moana yep. at okay. an awesome, awesome. Beach, beachside town it was great BYO he's still <laughs> based in, the, in LA yeah, isn't yeah, he? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. awesome um, 
what was your question, sorry? So what was it that your mentor said to you? Yeah. That, uh, what did he mean by don't turn your back on New Zealand? Think, did he see something here that he thought you could take a Yeah, I think of? that he felt, because he was kind of like my partner at the time as management goes. Yeah. And I think what he felt was that I've always, I've always wanted to break a New Zealand artist. Like even, you know, parts of mine, because I'm some But I've always, and so when I had was working with Greg and got him a record deal in America and he's living there and Ted Brown, I mean, that was, an, that, was, that was a dream come true for me. And I think what Jazz saw was, you know, I'm from New Zealand and I've been up there for 20 plus years. So with all of my understanding of how it works and my contacts, but understanding the lay of the land, more importantly, mm-hmm. I think he felt if I found a, you know, if, if a, a New Zealand act came to me, that we could have success globally. Right, right. And okay. and and that was that was that had always been like a, a you know a, a secret you know well of course a dream of mine I said mm. I suppose yeah yeah how early in the piece were you working with Greg? Um, well, I was I was working with Jazz Coleman from Killing Joke, and we came down here to do some um, concerts with the Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah, and um, I met Greg at the New Zealand Music Awards. Right, I said, hey, you know I know you I know you. I'm like, oh hey, and and, and I was like, well, okay, we can't talk about work. While we're drinking, you know, <laughs> give me a card. And I put, I always put the card in my back pocket, my right pocket. That must be a new rule. <laughs> yeah, always, that's a rule that I've understood. Oh man, Danny, I've always done it because I'm like, God, you know, so I always put. Well, the opposite you know. of it. <laughs> <laughs> nah. I, and then I wake up the next morning and I've got the card in my pocket. Right. Like, not that I've forgotten, but, you know, yeah. it's just like, okay. How much did you drink? Yeah. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and it's like, hey, I really want to, you know, go to America or whatever. So we met at um, SPQR, I think it was. And, um, he was signed to EMI here, but he really wanted a, a global platform. Right. And so I went, okay, well, you've got to be prepared to go to America. And he's like, yes, you know, <laughs> all excited. And um, we applied to Creative New Zealand, I believe, and we got funding. So I took him and Ted Brown um, mm. up, up to the States and nobody knew him. Yeah. You, know, you just had me going, he's really great, you know. Yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. like, well, great, Michelle, you know. Yeah. And um, I couldn't get a, a venue to do a showcase because I could not, I can't lie, <laughs> my real problem in this business. And, the, you know, when the promoters say to me, Michelle, can you, can you get 25 people here? I can't say, yes, I can, and, and then they don't turn up. Right. Because then they won't trust me again. So yeah, it's like I'm, yeah. my words, my words. How do you survive in L.A.? Oh, it's, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah, being honest, how yeah. do you do that? Yeah, it's, yeah. that's kind of my... And from their, downfall, it's not way. even necessarily dishonesty for them. It's just their knee-jerk reaction to talk things up. It is. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd be like, yeah, 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 I can get 25 people yeah. no sweat. It's super optimistic. Yeah. They're not trying to deceive you. No. <laughs> no, because they're going yeah. on the street yeah. and like they convince themselves. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. yeah and their positivity. But, um, but what I did was I, I knew someone, a, a Croatian man who owned a club in Beverly Hills. Yeah. And he was like, it was like a Moroccan stuff. Perfect for Greg Johnson. I couldn't believe it. It worked out. I didn't have to pay for the venue. Um, I went, I got hold of um, the, uh, um, the New Zealand embassy. Yep. And they kindly sent out invites. You are cordially invited by the New Zealand embassy, you know, <laughs> oh. um, and put their stamp on it to my mailing list. Right. Okay. So, yeah, here we go. So we're not paying wow. for the venue. Greg's in his element in an amazing, um, you know, Moroccan-style t- venue, whatever. Yeah. And um, we did the showcase and we had the A&R people there. And basically we signed a deal from that showcase after a few more meetings. Mm. And I, I negotiated the deal at that really flash hotel um, 
Greg and I came back for some concerts and we were playing the Queenstown Winterfest and whoever the promoter was put you in a real flash hotel. Oh, yeah. It was like a fireplace and I had red wine and I remember negotiating the, the record deals in <laughs> the Queenstown, you know? I'm just yeah. going, oh, yeah, this is so cool. <laughs> this is the life. Yeah. 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 So, um, so that set Greg on his way and Ted and they're both married and both living up there and that's quite a few years later now. That's like mm. my daughter was four, she's 20, so it's 16 years ago. Right. So Greg and I were, if you could think about it, Going back 16 years, we were like the pioneers of New Zealand manager and artist going up there, up to LA, right. not waiting for someone to call you and go, I really like your artist, I'm going to fly you both up here. Yeah, yeah. We, they were playing in cafes and I was selling their music in cafes, coffee shops. Right. And we were buying packs of noodles. Right. And my friends were putting us all up at their places. I was sleeping in offices yep. on, on, a, on a mattress, a blow-up. Greg and Ted were, you know, in the lounge, and um, it was just—it's it's just always been real with me, you yeah, know. Like yeah. it's because I believe if it's real and it's authentic, it lasts longer. Yeah. So was uh, that the album Paradise Motel? Is that uh, um, was we? Uh, what? Oh God. Blue cover. I remember that. <laughs> After that, album that, that coming out. That oh, okay. that, oh, Hibiscus Hotel. Hibiscus Hotel. Motel. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Seabreeze Motel. Seabreeze Motel. Seabreeze Motel. Yeah, yeah. No, that <laughs> the was most that, LA of, uh, yeah, of, of titles for yeah. yeah. And we had we had awesome success because he had a song called Save Yourself. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah. First you yeah. Say, yeah. yeah. And what we did was um uh he, Greg would Greg Greg was amazing. He would send me he would send me off to music conferences without him because we couldn't have paid for two, you know. Yeah. So he'd send me, so I'd go without my artist. <laughs> But I'd have music, of course. He's busy doing <laughs> yeah, other things. He's so busy, but I'm here, you know. And um, I thought, okay, I'm going to get one guy, and it was David Ginsberg from WBOS in Boston, AAA radio station. I thought if I can get one person to actually hear the song, that'll, that'll be a quote, that'll be some airplay, you know, so that's what we did. Right. David just said, this is an amazing song, we're going to play it, we're going to add it. Yeah. So then I got a quote from him, and then at, in LA at Santa Monica, um, I remember um, Greg would we were, Greg would come over and cook dinner, you know, roast, and have lovely wine. And my daughter would be with me, and we would package CDs up with the stickers on the front, so people would read the you know the, the quote. Yeah. And we had a map, a map of America on our wall. And Greg and Ted would stick all the pins. We got, I got, I did all the phoning, and my daughter would post it. She was like five, would she post that? You know, Greg. We got at Greg was, um, I think the second most added artist to Triple A Radio under Donald Fagan. <laughs> really, and I was so proud. Oh, that's... Like so proud because you know he deserved it. Yeah, yeah. his songwriting is stellar, and it was a, it was just us doing this. Yeah, right. You know, because the record company unfortunately went bankrupt. Oh, yeah. So we we worked with um, uh, Richard Dashett, who was um, the engineer on Fleetwood Mac's album Rumors. Oh, nice. Up yeah. in Ojai. Yeah. Incredible. You know, um, we did four tracks, and it was amazing. And the record company were amazing, but you know, they they went bankrupt. But we meant I obviously I got made sure that Greg owned the masters. Of course, good. So good. we left, and they sent me all the product. <laughs> so we went back to the coffee shops and started selling them. And we go like, well, we've got to do something. Did that, sort of, did that sort of work out to your guys' benefit then? 
it, it, it kind of did. We I ended up getting Greg another deal. Yeah, as well. And you got all that. the Merc and 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 you got you got all the rights. Yeah. And the company went. But you away. had the yeah. rights already. You, you owned the masters Absolutely. beforehand, yeah. right? That was yeah. the Absolutely. Yeah. But then you didn't need to pay them anything. No, <laughs> no. no. So it was deal. it kind of worked out. Yeah, you know? that's sweet. But yeah. I was I think that was one kind of like one of my most proudest moments was. Getting Greg added to radio yeah. without having anyone do it, just us. Right. I just yeah. want to dig a little deeper into the reasons why you thought you might turn your back on the industry. I mean, you've you've obviously seen a lot of, um, you know, industry inside the industry. You know that people might not know about behind the scenes. Yeah. And what point? Because from that that time period, sort of the two thousand and one through to sort of I guess two thousand five ish. That's when the whole downloading thing really took root. And started to decimate record sales, and as you say, that company went out of business. I don't know if it was because of that, but um, you know, did it, music did it decimate, or because I I heard that it was only twenty or thirty percent. Well, there was a, an article that's just come out in the in the Herald this week about um, certainly if you talk about New Zealand music, right, went from one hundred and sixty million dollars in over that fourteen year period to two thousand fourteen or whatever, mm-hmm. down to sixty million or something like it, right. it halved. So, in wait, that, that, time. that includes the streaming end. No, so now they're saying streaming is starting to pick it up and, and, and move that, that kind of a needle in the other direction, you know, the really? upward thing. How yeah. can it possibly generate that much income? I don't know how it's... Well, it's Tell not, me. Not New Zealand. Tell me right now. <laughs> um, but, I don't believe but you. But then again, there is, okay, there is that... There is that um, that that viewpoint that maybe people stopped. You know, the the baby boomers who were replacing all of their records and CD had had done that, and that's why maybe the industry started to go down a little bit right. in terms of retail sales. But it's quite a huge huge drop to take wow. but did you see any of that kind of fallout from from the declining music sales and 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 people scrambling to try and make ends meet even the you know the amalgamation of all of those um like sony and bmg and all of that back in those times you must have seen some of that from the inside right yeah i did but what i also um enjoyed and got really excited about um was the new model the new like there was a there was a new way like it, it you know, like musicians had a, 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 a much bigger reach than they had ten years prior with the digital world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, streaming was a was a pain in the ass, but mm. but if you know, it was almost like it was like a whole new model was being presented. So if you could let go of how it was and and find the the truth, like a mu- yeah. a, a band and a musician, a, a band or a musician that just just can't stop playing music and, and mm. play in your garage. Right. Find ways. And so I think I just went, okay, this is happening. This is this is where it's at. You, this, how, you can't control this. Yeah. Okay. The downfall is, is that, you know, the sales are going to go down. Labels aren't going to come along and, and give you a, a deal like they did in the day. Um, but you just had to rethink it. Mm, like you just yeah. had to rethink, get, 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 throw the box away, really, and that's where it's like, okay, if you can tick all those boxes and you've got a band that um, just want to make it happen, and and really you find that way. Yeah, I I just I've never been. I mean, I've been you know in this business for twenty years as an independent music manager. Right. Um, and I, I I I've never been more excited. Right. Yeah, I, t- truthfully. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it a few times over the over the series that. In many ways, what we're losing from the industry is a, it, it's good that we're losing it because they were, we're tied into bad deals and yeah, there's all exactly, sorts of 100%. nonsense going on. Hundred percent. But I think one of the challenges, apart from just the the new the new industry has major saturation. So yes, you can I can have someone in the other mm-hmm. side of the world listening to my music, but how do you make that an audience, a fan base? You know, mm-hmm. that's one thing. 
And rise above the noise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So how do you stand out? And also, um, you used the word truth a second ago. How do you find the truth? Yeah. The, the industry is not being honest with you half the time. No. Um, there's a lot of information all over the place on what you're supposed to do. How do you figure out what to do? I don't really pay attention too much to the industry. For me, it's always been about the, the song. I love that answer. <laughs> yeah, I just don't. Yeah. It's kind of what I just don't give a, you know, I don't. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. about the song. If I, if I get chills in, in the band, you know, yeah. And I'm about the fans. Yeah. You know, so that's yeah. why we've, you know, you've got you've got an audience there. If you can just keep finding your audience, mm. and I say to the band, let's go fishing with a fisher, which is right now Mexico for this particular band. Um, so, so I don't pay attention to them because right. they're, they're just going to keep hovering and watching and circling and whatever. High fiving. Yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and the truth is the engagement between the fan and and the musician. Yeah. Yeah. So and it's never been been more direct than it exactly. is right now. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, and and you can you can put out what you want, and you you know how do you find the audience? Mm. Again, I I say to the band, it's it's engaging, truth like communicating online. Yes. yes. So talk to them via yes. a picture, you know, actually communicate. And they will leave and go, oh, my God, I just spoke to Danny. He's a New Zealand man, but he actually commented, you know, like, right. and, th- and it'll, that's how it happens. Yeah. Mm. They are the people, they are the, the fans that will turn up at your show. Right. So when yeah. you announce you're doing a show, they will come. Yeah. Mm. You know? And so, so that's if we, and you've got direct contact with the fans. Yeah. You know? And yeah. I agree with what you're saying. There's so much noise out there. You know, you... You know, there's just so much, but but you just you just you rise above it. You just mm. keep finding those ways. You well, know, I know that you're also passionate about the business side of things and having a, a good business ethic. Yeah, and I think in many ways that's the answer mm-hmm. because you know I think one of the problems with um, the, the industry overall is we're constantly trying to apply one model to mm. to to all situations. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's impossible to do that mm-hmm. because because as soon as a month has passed, the, the whole industry's changed. Yeah, you know, uh, totally. Um, and also, as soon as something happened, it's not going to happen again. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's basically the same in business. Like if we were if we owned a restaurant, we could read all about what happened with the restaurant twenty years ago. Yeah, you can learn a lot of stuff from that, and you should, but you can't. Just point by point, replace the model. No, mm. you know. No. So there needs to be that the ability to look at where you are, look at your competition, yeah. look at your environment, make a good plan, all that sort of thing. Oh, it's it's all it's a plan. Yeah, you know, it's a, stri- a strategic plan. And my goal right now is for the my my boys to leave their day jobs, sort of January, February next year, right? Uh, February and March. And it's except it's like, Nick because he can still. <laughs> yeah. He can still um, sell drugs. <laughs> you can do it. The gigs. Love you, yeah. Nick. <laughs> um, and just have we, we work together. I've always worked with my bands. I'm an, I'm a different type of manager, so right. it's real hands on. Yeah. So it's it's the band and me, you know. Yeah. And we we it's not like you come and see me at an office and you know I'm really hands on. And our goal is to run a business mm. together. Yeah, you know, um, and and that's 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 how that's how sort yeah, of like our mission. It's a really yeah. important yeah. point to make. Doing it together, uh-huh. right? It's not you doing all the work. It's yeah. not them out there doing all the work, slogging away, um, doing no. it all. You're doing it together. No, it's a, no. Yeah, that yeah. is an important point because there's a lot of power play in our industry. No, no, no there, together. So. Yeah, and, together and respect. Yeah. Uh-huh. So so when I share with the band, I share. Like they've they've asked me to be their manager because of what of my history. Yeah. So they've come to me with respect. Mm-hmm. You know already, yeah. And if I really believe in your music, then that's all I'm about, right? right so, right. 
So already we're sitting here and we respect each other. They know if I'm going to share something with them about how we should go forward, yeah. they're listening. They're listening because she's like, oh, she she wants the best for us, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it's and it's about explaining because sometimes if you don't explain, they don't know. Mm. Same for them. You know, we, we, we're building a team right now and the band will come to me with someone that they want to bring in and it's like, okay, I'm going to talk to them, we're going to listen, you know. So so it's it's really done like that. But at the end of the day, without that respect, I don't think we'd, you know, we'd be having yeah. the results that we're having at the moment. Well, let's talk about your history. I mean, how did you end up being you? Where, where did the music um, thank spark? You, <laughs> <laughs> well, where did the? Where, I mean, the love of music is one thing, but also your your approach to it, the ethical thing, the business thing. How did you? How did those fall into place? Um, um, uh, I'm I'm a lone wolf, yep. to be honest. You know, I, I mean, I I'm 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 married to music. It's mm-hmm. been my relationship my whole life. Uh, my mother introduced music, Led Zeppelin. You know, Jimi Hendrix, nice. Carol King. Only child, best friend. Music just became my best friend. Yeah. Didn't let me down, never let me go. Yeah. Um, and I sung for a while and then got nodules on my vocal cords and oh. lost my voice for six months. Lost my confidence, mm. lost Shit. my self-esteem. When you were a kid? I or? was 21. Right. Never sung again. No, no, I was like 19. 19. Yep. Never sung again. Yeah. Too, mm. too scared, you know. Mm. However, what happened then, Danny, was I think my not being able to speak, I've, I seemed to pick up something in my hearing Interesting. So when I listen to something, it's almost like I can hear a, 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 a vibration or something in the music. I just know, mm. you know. And fast forward twenty years later, my intuition is by far the strongest tool I have. Wow! I don't doubt it. People so, underrate your intuition. Their oh intuition so yeah. much. It's yeah. so key. It's yeah. so key. Yeah. So fast forwarding, I, I was I got a I, I got a job at two fifty six. I worked at EMI Records at a record store. And sold vinyl. (laughs) And then I got a job at 256 Records on Queen Street and was in charge of all the 45s. Right. You know, Mm. and it was a crazy, awesome time when it was just wild. Yeah. You know, it was elephant bears on a Thursday night in the record store (laughs) to choose the single. And and we were all just, we wanted to work late because we didn't want to go home because we just love music. You know, it was just, it was, it was incredible. It was like. Was it it like that John Cusack movie? What's that called? Oh, Fidelity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Similar, similar. I used to manage music stores and people would come in all the time for jobs thinking it was about that. (laughs) But when you tell them, hey, you've got to go and unpack um, 50 boxes back behind in the storeroom they're like oh fuck that <laughs> yeah, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was all parties yeah, and, um, yeah. and booze yeah and, yeah, you know, yeah but no but I, I understand exactly where, where you're coming from that whole camaraderie oh. around people and especially in the music retail people who all love music yeah. they're there for um, and, and you can stay after work for we hours did. listening to new music and, and flick through that in my day CDs um, flick through the, um, the liner notes and, yeah. and learn and Always that, about the liner notes. That's something that's yeah. lost. Who produced it? Who engineered it? Yeah, yeah. And, and where was it recorded? Where? What studio? And, and even who made the cover art, yep. you know? Yeah. Cover art was a really big thing. Yeah. Um, and that's something that's kind of lost, I think, in the new industry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can't walk into a music store and have someone who is passionate about music who will go, well, I know you love this, but here's three other records you should listen to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you could walk into JB Hi-Fi now and they'll try and tell you, sell you a fucking television yeah. along with your album. Yeah. Um, they're not specialists anymore. No. And that's one thing I, I, I don't know how that how you fix that or how you change that. Um, the whole streaming thing is it's not curated, you know. Mm-hmm. It's Everyone's just – and as an example, in that same story in the Herald I talked about, they're talking saying how streaming 
um, people are not necessarily finding new music. They're listening to the same thing over and over and over oh. again. And because streaming plays into the um, record, uh, the um, album charts or the single charts now, you get something like I think it was from 2013. We had 40 or no, sorry, 26 New Zealand artists in the top 40 in that year. Right, right. Last year or this year rather, two, and they've wow. both been Lord and 660. Right. And so the top. Ten singles, seven of them are from Lord, and three of them are from um, Six Sixty, and that's because people are just listening to the same thing over and over and over again. So my point, getting back to the music retail thing, was you had those specialists who were passionate about music, who would be able to go, you know, I love that, I love what you've brought up to, you know, what you're buying, but there's a dozen Check other things this. that you'll never hear of otherwise, and you can't get that with an algorithm. Yeah. yeah. The other thing I keep hearing about, and I'm and I'm witnessing this as I'm asking people questions about it is that people are listening to playlists on Spotify and they don't even know who the artist is. That They, they like well, this song or that song, but yeah. you know, they're not really paying attention There's to that. A, a, yeah. And I know you know I love my conspiracy theories, but I don't think this is a conspiracy. Um, in that, uh, that took that, 40 minutes for you to get to Spotify. <laughs> Spotify are, are reportedly making their own music and putting it on their own playlist. So you might not they know are. those artists. If you go and try and hunt one of them down on their their website, they won't right. have a website. Now, I was just about to say, I've heard that's true, but then I thought maybe because you told me I that, told you. Maybe that's a self-fulfilling told fact. <laughs> but, you know, um, and, and that way they don't have to pay record companies. Right. They own the music. You know, they don't have to pay them any royalties. They make more money that way. But anyway, getting back to you. <laughs> um, do you have any conspiracy theories? Uh, no. Oh, don't start. Okay. <laughs> don't start. Um, but... Yeah, so you, you you were in music retail music, re- and then music from there, retail and, then, and you're an artist. Yeah, yep. and then music retail and then um I did a little bit of work um for um Michael Gadinsky for um wow. tour promoting. Cool, cool. Then I became a flight attendant for New Zealand for like five years internationally. It's um, a random side. I know. My mother was like, you need to apply. And I'm like, I don't want to apply. I don't want to put lipstick on and be was a flight attendant. Was that a sort of get a real job moment? Uh, she was just like, you know what? I think you might get it. And I'm like, oh, I'll apply. And I got it. So right. I turned it down and then I reapplied. But look, it was great because what it did was it gave me five years of flying on my own mm. around the world, learning to like my own company. Right. And um, it just, you know, it was it was great. But then I resigned and moved to Kauai, and this is really weird, you're going to like laugh at this, but I kept having this, this dream. I, I moved to Kauai um, with an American, and I started working at a recording studio there, and, um, and I kept, kept, kept getting this vision of, of, of Eddie Van Halen. And, and it wasn't, it, there was no way it was like a romantic thing. It was just like I kept, you know, so I wrote a letter to my mother, and I said, Mum, I've got to, I'm going to meet Eddie Van Halen one day, and it's going to be, a sign in the right direction, you know. Right. So anyway, this hurricane and flash flood came and destroyed Kauai. You know, so we went through a flash flood, hurricane, recording studio, gone. Oh. Huh. So I, 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 I got a one-way ticket. I went and got my leather jacket. <laughs> I got my leather jacket and a one-way ticket to LA and um, stayed with a girlfriend on her couch until she, I couldn't. And then Enzo Tedesco, who has just passed away, was the drummer for Gino Vanelli. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I met him, but I met him and he was on tour. So he gave me his couch in Studio City and his car. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and I was eating like Paquito Mass. Again, this is kind of like the, this is like the thread through my journey is I'm prepared to do all that I have to do in order to do what I love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's kind of more about why I'm here is to, to help musicians. Right. Yeah. So, so back then I'm eating Paquito Mass, you know, eating Mexican burritos and they were, you know, so cheap. And 
anyway, everyone's like, you, my mother's like, Michelle, you're going to run out of money. You need to get a job. And I'm like, no, because if I get a job, I'm safe. Right. You know, and, and, I, mm. and I won't go for what I want. She's going, oh, my God, okay. Long story. By the way, can you send me $500? Yeah, <laughs> no, never did, never did. No, I got down to about $79. I'm fine. I live on nothing. Like, I don't need, as long as I, I, don't, I just can live on nothing. So yeah. I was fine. But I went out, met a man called Rick Stevens, who a friend of mine again, just kind of say yes. Yep. It's what I say to my band all the time. Because you don't know, when you say yes and you walk through that door, for that, it might not be that reason why you're yeah. walking through the door. Yeah. It could mm. be this. Yeah. Mm. So I just go say yes. So I said yes, met Rick Stevens. And he was like, hello, what are you here to do? I'm like, oh, hi, I'm from New Zealand. Michelle, nice <laughs> to meet you. I'm here to work in the music business. He was like, do you know who I am? I'm like, no. He goes, I, I run the record plant. Come and see me tomorrow. Record plant, one of the yeah. Yeah. prestigious recording studios. So that was where I started. Right. So I was client service director. Right. So Ronnie James Dio, Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Prince. Prince. I wasn't yeah. allowed to call him Prince. Yeah. And well, it was so funny because did I. You, say you, you weren't allowed to call him. No. Prince. What did you have to call him? You didn't. You walked. Oh, serious. This true story, Danny. You walked into the room and I'd go, Oh, look, I've just got the cables for you. And he'd go, Thank oh, you. Who oh, knew? Was that the artist formerly known as Yeah, players? Right. Yeah, he so. just knew you were speaking to him. Right. And he was so lovely. I mean, his outfits were incredible. Yeah. The girls that he had on his arm every day were just like, whoa, yeah. crikey. You know? oh, oh, is that a real thing? Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> and they were so hot. Right. And beautiful. And his, his cut, you know, he was, he was amazing. So does he hire models? Like, how does that work? Um, <laughs> he's fucking, well, not Prince, he's, he's symbol. Yeah. Of course he's. <laughs> Got no, that's what mind. I mean. Like, do you get to a certain point of like fame and power that mo- that the wo- woman You're just, a a, they just yeah. a, you walk down the street and they just attach themselves to you, like, yeah, or do you off. actually do you actually put them on the payroll and you know? No, I, I don't. I think I, that's a different kind of service, yeah. Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we had a jacuzzi at the record plant. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So there were some stories. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I learned everything by listening. Right. So here I am, you know, early twenties. From New Zealand, yeah. at the record plant. You know, Absorbing Barbara Streisand's been recorded. I'm allowed in the vocal booth while she's been recorded. Oh, my God. <gasps> like, Whoa. that was insane because she can sing. And I and, and suddenly I'm so just I've going. So i heard. No, she's like, <laughs> she's just. Um, yeah. In the vocal booth yeah, as well. Yeah, incredible. And wow. she was, she'd become quite friendly with me and she'd always talk to me in a Kiwi accent. It was so cute because <laughs> it just didn't work, but it was so cute. Right, yeah. Um, Julio Iglesias, you know, uh, Marilyn Manson. Trent Reznor, I spent, you know, but I, but what happened was we had all of the top promoters, uh, not pr- producers, engineers, management yeah. coming in. Ah, and I just, so that's I didn't your say school. much. It's my school. I didn't yeah. talk. I just listened. Yes. Then on my, all my days off, the engineers or producers actually let me, I hung out there. Stu- I mean, right. I mean, three days and I'd just be in the studio. Mm, wow. Because I loved it. I loved watching how it happened i loved an engineer sitting there recording the drum sound and you know and it was just it was incredible and so i learned everything and i listened to i I guess my one of my other is intuition but also being able to read someone knowing where they're coming from yeah knowing if they're really spitting you a line knowing what their angle is I like how you're staring at me as you say this. Oh my god! I'm like, that's your intuition telling you. Don't you about this guy? And so, so that happened, and 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 it was incredible. And 
all the different session musicians that came in there were like the top. Yeah. And that's where I saw professionalism. Right. If you don't show up, if you don't take that call, you don't get the gig. Yeah. No one rings you twice. Yeah. You know, and so kind of going back to what we were talking about at the at the beginning was, you know, about when people get back to you three days later. It just doesn't oh, yeah. work. Yeah. So I'm hoping the story ends with, and then Eddie Van Halen walked yeah. through the door. <laughs> right, so, okay. Well, no. So what happened was then uh, one of our clients, I don't date where you, you know, you just don't date where you work. Mm. Um, but this guy was a recording engineer, was one of the top rock producers of the time. And he'd asked me out and I was like, no, you know. So it, like he's in there doing, I think, ACDC or something. And so like... After about nine months of me saying no, he I, I said yes to, to just a beer at the Sagebush Cantina where all the Harley Davidsons are or whatever. Yeah. We had we had a beer and and he was like, I am sort of serious, you know, I'd like to take you on a date. And I'm like, I just can't, you know. So anyway, um we ended up becoming boyfriend and girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if I would leave the record plant to go travel with him and I said, Well, you know, this is my job and he was like, Look, I'm quite serious about you and if you don't, you know, and I was like, okay. So I put my little V-Dub convertible that I'd bought from John Witten, the bass player from Asia for like a grand. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His wife was so concerned because I was driving a car that didn't lock. And she was like, you can't let this young girl from New Zealand drive this car that doesn't lock around the, you know, Hollywood. <laughs> so I bought it for, I think, $1,200. Um, so I put that little car in the engineer from the record plant's garage and off I went with Mike and he produced like the first album he ever mixed and engineered was Aerosmith's album Permanent Vacation. Okay. Wow. So he was kind of given that, you know, that, that he was in the studio working on it, engineering, but then mm. it, then it was just like, okay, you can mix this. So he his his history was incredible. Right. Mm. So here we go. I'm list I'm in the I go to work with him. Yeah, you know, I'm his girlfriend. Most girlfriends go shopping, but I go to the studio mm. and he let me go. <laughs> and so we were in London. We were, you know, we just worked with rock bands all over the all over the place. Yeah. And then we were living in hotels all over. You know, I, I would get the hotel uh, management to let us change rooms just to mix it up a bit. You know, right. so people would just ring and ask for me or Mike because they were like, she's going to have a different room. <laughs> and um, we're in the hotel, and he goes, "Come on, we're off to work." And I'm like, "Great." And he goes, "Um, I said, who, who are you working with?" And he goes, "Van Halen." And I went, "Okay." So we go up to Eddie's home studio, fifty one fifty, up in Cobalt, uh, up you know, in, in, in the hills. And um, did you almost say the address just then? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good thing we're not doing this at happy hour. <laughs> so you take a left, and then you look. <laughs> so we get in there. Eddie sees me, and it was almost like it was kind of like, oh my god, hey, I'm Eddie, and I'm like, I'm Michelle, you know. And it was just this instant kind of like, do we know each other? Wow. And I just went, oh my god, this is this is it. I just knew I'll, I'm fast tracking here. So you know, I, I kind of that was mean, your I, vision coming. Yeah, through. but yeah. my god, I just learned so much in this session, not just about but about work ethic and what I what I really have with this band, Dead Poets Society, which I really learned then, is why these big bands are so successful. Okay, what's the secret? They just fucking play and they show up, they do every interview that they're asked for, they never say no. They play the hit songs 30 years later that the fans want to hear that they just can't play again. Right, right. But Eddie said to me, if your band ever says to you, we don't want to play our hit song, 
you just tell them to shut the f- up. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm, pl- I'm still playing Panama. Because that's, yeah. that's, what I, that's why I'm, I say to the band, it's, it's your fans that put the, the food on the table. Yeah, it's all about them. Yeah. So if yeah. they want to hear that song, you play it to them. Yeah. And yeah. things that I'm saying to you may not be rocket science to both of you, but trust me, there are a lot of musicians that we have this conversation, they don't get it. Right. Yeah. Mm. They're, oh, no, I'm done with that. Mm. No, you know. Mm. So um, I learned a lot. And then what happened was Eddie's Guitar Tech had a band and that band was being headhunted by two big managers and I wasn't a manager. I was Mike's girlfriend. Right. And Eddie was like, you're a manager. You, you know, you you got a manager's band. and So he saw that quality in you. Mm-hmm. And, I, and he just knew. So right. I went back to the hotel. I got a, a cassette demo, cassette demo of this band's music. Mm-hmm. And I went to the roof of the hotel with a six pack of Pacifico beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I opened up a beer and I'm like, you know, and I'm, I'm got, you know, I'm listening. And I just again got it. And I was just like, oh, my God, this is like heaven and hell kind of combined, you know. And um, so I met them at Barney's Beanery. They were all very tall, very tattooed, very big, strong musician men, you know, that, that really this was their life. Mm. Who is this girl? You know, we, we could have this guy or that guy. This girl from New Zealand's never managed anybody. And they chose me. And we signed a, a deal, a contract, a, and and I, that's how I became a music manager. What right. do you think they saw in you? What quality did uh, they see? Hardworking, passion, honesty. Um, you, you know, you just know what to do. You, you, it's like a protectiveness, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and and I think it was just the honesty and the and the um, the passion. Right. And also, when you're hungry, you hunt. Yeah. Mm. And I'm a hunter. Because that's yeah, the thing I'm about if, if you're with a if you're with a big firm, whether it's a management company or record company or something, it's really easy to be so far down the list of priorities on the roster that you don't really get much yeah. from them anyway. Yeah. Point, you know. Oh, that's easy. So, they just wait till the phone rings. I yeah. never wait till the phone rings. Yeah, I never do. Right. I always find a way. Right, always. Exactly. So we signed. It was around the same time as Geffen Records signed Nirvana, mm-hmm. and I was just absolutely oh my god, you know. And um, Mike. Uh, wasn't too keen on me working, but I was just like, I have to do this, you know. I, I it's really, it, it's the, music is my my purpose, not a job, mm. and you can't walk away from your purpose. Yeah, mm. like you can seriously just leave a job, but you can't leave your purpose. That's right. So he kind of got it after a little while, and I was just like, dude, man, you should you should engineer the, our first single. Like you, the he to to this day it's free. It'll yeah, be free. Yeah, and he today is like literally when he he recorded. We were, he was working with ACDC, so I spent nine months with him in the studio recording drums, and ACDC. Wow. What oh, I okay. learned from that, and then then we spent six months in uh, Sol Salido at the other record plant, and he was uh, recording Metallica, and I went to work with him every day, and I just listened. I yeah. just sat on the couch and, <laughs> and listened. <laughs> To and drums, yeah, oh my God, for nine months. Not, that would drive well, me fucking nuts. And, no, drums and vocals and uh, the whole album. Oh, right, but okay. you know what I mean? Like yeah. when, you, when you watch, when you listen and, and – and Yeah, you pick up the subtleties and the nuances that yeah. you don't hear just by putting this pair of headphones yeah. on. And I, what I really loved about Mike was his clarity and his fullness and his sound. Like it was just big, but it was clear, you know yeah. what I mean? And, yeah. and, I, and I learned a lot about performance rather than perfection. Right, oh, okay. yeah, that's a hard one to learn. Right, I, yeah. I know, and that was so, so especially these days because we can fix anything totally, and that's what and you hear. Yeah, le- yeah, learning to just let it let it be. You know, has it got a vibe or not? 
Yeah. That performance and that vibe, I think, is that kind of that X factor that connects you in the heart. Yeah. Mm. And I think that's what moves people. And when you're moved, you buy a ticket to go and see Absolutely. that person sing or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he did. We recorded the first single at the record plant. And it was massive. It was so massive. Um, and then things were going great. We were, I was negotiating a deal. And in that day, it was one of those great deals. You know, it was really cool. But anyway, the band broke up. Oh, and this is want to happen. Lead singer, you know, had his reasons, and I respected those reasons, but my heart was broken. Mm. He wanted to go on a solo career or something. Um, it was it was just more moral issues that he had. He, you know, he was from New Jersey, and it was just it was just a, he came to me and he was really open and honest, and it was like it was really good that he did this prior to us signing and moving on. But yeah. but I literally felt like my marriage was over. Right. Mm. I just. I, you know, I, I just was like, oh my God. You put God. everything into it yeah, and all of a yeah. sudden. Yeah. 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 And it is, it's like a marriage is over, you know, mm. but I respected them. Mm. Um, and my company then was Zany Productions. I think Eddie or Mike, Mike, well, Mike, Mike my boyfriend um, named it, named me Zany. So it was Zany <laughs> Productions. But that was, that was how I started as a music manager. And I, and then I've never stopped. Tell us a little bit about the minimalist lifestyle that you live. What, what, is, the, what is minimalism? What does it mean? Okay. Danny's tried to explain it to me, but I don't listen to what he says. So. Minimalism is, a, is not about um, things not, not, not having things, but it's about being smart and having what you need rather than what you want. Okay. Okay, so um, it's, it's about, you know. I need that 65-inch television, though. Right. <laughs> well, that's I mean that's okay, but maybe you don't need two of them. Right. <laughs> you know. Okay. Good you point. know. Maybe yeah. you and Jane could watch TV together. Y- oh, that's you know. a novel idea. <laughs> yeah, I think minimalism is is more of an attitude, and it's it's more about you know when you're out there. I think I think times are changing. You know, people aren't earning what they used to earn. You know, and so there's a lot of people that are trying to live beyond their means. Yeah. And I think. I mean, oh, I've been a minimalist so. for a couple of years. I, I have no home. I live. Mm-hmm. I have a suitcase um, that I travel with. So it's just a fancy word for homeless. A gla- <laughs> yeah, it could be. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's a, it's about it's about loving loving moments more than things. So okay. it's about That's it's nice more about it. more about yeah. loving moment and loving life experience more than things. Right. And it's about having that pair of jeans and having that pair of boots, but just how many do you need? Right. You know, yeah. Um. And and when you can live with less, y- you're sort of a bit more freer. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, it's a sense of freedom. It's like yeah. a, it's like a, a weight off your shoulders. It really is. You yeah. know, you don't have to worry so much about all those bills that you're paying things off. You don't mm. really have to spend too much time about going. What am I going to wear? Because you literally have this or that. Yeah. Um. And so it just shifts your your whole mindset it just it opens you up to just it's the you know, idea of not having possessions in fact your possessions have you mm-hmm. you know you've got a house with all this with a garage full of jet skis and crap yeah. and you know you're anchored to that yeah place is that exactly more, yeah. yeah and which it's is o- why you can manage a band from halfway around the world totally. in, in new zealand yeah, it's yeah. the only way i mean i mean i've i've been a minimalist for quite a while but um being a nomad like i like i don't have a home anywhere um, but but again, going back, you know, I've had to make the choices that I do in order to manage the band that I want. Right. Right. Okay. That's something I've been thinking about a lot recently is the difference between putting your life together and the focus that is 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 throughout society on ticking the boxes and getting the house and all that stuff um, versus how you spend your time. Yeah. And people seem to spend much more of their, their focus on just getting the things. Yeah. 
but they don't think how are they going to spend their time. Exactly, that's the point. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Right. And on. obviously, you've decided. Well, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And that's more important than you know pitching a tent. Or it really, it, it's more important than a thing. Yeah. You know, having my band perform to an, an audience is means more to me. Mm. What you, you know, I mean. That's what we're going to remember. You know, yeah. I'm not going to remember the the new cutlery set that I bought or whatever. Right. You know, it it just and so um, it's incredible how much you realise that you don't need and how 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 much really it's just all about within you. Those things are sort of like a sort of like <laughs> um, trippy, but it's sort of like <laughs> eating fast food or something. Like it's a, a very quick reward when you get something new, and Bang it on. gives it gives you a, a sort of an adrenaline rush. But then after it just turns into this thing that holds you back. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't have possessions. Standing, obviously, I don't have a car, I don't have a home. I have my laptop, a cell phone. That's it. Mm. Okay, and and a suitcase. But you know, but you know, I'm so free. Yep. And so many of my friends go, "Oh my God, Michelle, you literally have all the things that money can't buy." Right. I have the passion. I have the motivation. I'm so inspired. I work out at cafes. I work with. I work on the Mana bus. Yeah. When I travel around New Zealand, I get the Mana bus. It's got mm. Wi-Fi. Right, that's a cool idea. Awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Like I, you know what I mean? And 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 so it just shifts your whole kind yeah. of mindset and to I what really matters. And I'm not, and I don't think that you're saying that people listening need to sell their house. Not at you know, all. It's more about just not at all rethinking things. Rethinking isn't it? things. Yeah. It's yeah. all. It, it's all it is. Because I've got stuff. Yeah. Of, like I mean, we're sitting in my stuff. Yeah. Um. But I mean, one of the ways that I think about it is is I buy an expensive pair of boots, and then I don't buy any any shoes or boots for two, yeah. three years. You know, yeah. I, I like to have like good quality, but a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, keep it simple. Yeah, and yeah. there's something I don't, I'm going to use the word sexy, but there's also something sexy about having less in order to go and fill your life up with the things that you the the, the moments and the and the experience. Right. You know. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And so. I just I just hope that I can inspire you know other well, I guess people women men whatever. To just know that it's okay to have less, mm-hmm. you, you know, less but, is cool. Like you don't need. A, a, I mean, I'm not saying you don't. I'm just saying uh, you can have it. I'd like to live in a caravan, to be honest, by the beach. You yeah, know, yeah. I don't need a huge house. I'm not saying that it's wrong to have a huge house by no, any means. No. But I hope because I get results through my work, mm. and I hope that at least because I'm, you know, get results that I can inspire other people to know. Oh, maybe I can. Yeah. Maybe I don't need to be a slave to the system and mm. be paying off this mortgage and be paying off this house and going to a, a job, a nine to five job that I hate because I've got to pay for that new what dishwasher. Right, mm. right, yeah. Live your life. I remember the first flat I lived in when I moved out of home when I was about uh, 17 or 18 um, was in this pretty rundown area. And I remember just, I lived there for a few months and I couldn't take it anymore and I moved away. But what what I thought about it was that I, I developed this idea that poverty is a mindset, mm-hmm. which I know is incredibly insensitive. Insen- yeah, <laughs> insensitive thing to say for those who are actually struggling in, in real poverty. Uh, uh, That's not what I mean. Uh, but uh, but for the people around me, they did have money. Mm-hmm. They just didn't have self esteem, you know. And, and, and what I mean is, they weren't like yeah. living on the street with no food. They they had houses, mm, and mm. but they just didn't mow the lawns or they didn't pick up the trash or whatever. Mm. And I thought. Well, you know, you're not as rich as the people over in the rich suburbs, mm-hmm. obviously, but you, where's your pride? You totally. Know? And where's yeah. your passion? Yeah. And 
and I've sort of been working on that idea ever since. Yeah, 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 mm. yeah. yeah. And I, that wealth and wealth and poverty has nothing to do with what you've got because no. you can be. I mean, I know people who are very no. wealthy and they're miserable. Oh, empty. Yeah, and and not fulfilled and not happy in their soul, right. and yet someone. Not that sad, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> okay, this is an intervention. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> no. I I think honestly, I think I think something that I try to share is that like honestly, it's all to do. First and foremost, with the relationship that you have with yourself, mm. because like you know, you can have. I remember you know when I was first with Mike and there were limousines and champagne. It's just like, well, oh, can you order that more expensive bottle of champagne? You know, then that someone else has got. Oh, let's order yeah. another. How uh, far can you go? Yeah. Why don't you just go back to that bottle of champagne or whatever? You know. Right. It's like take me out for fish and chips with a ten dollar bottle of Pinot. Yeah. Mm. I'm happy as I don't need you know. But again, if you don't have a pretty okay relationship with yourself all of the stuff out here is not going to make you happy it no. might for a moment but when you lose all this stuff or when it, you don't have it man nothing changes in here right because mm. you're still full in here yeah and this is what i say to the guys all you know like the, my band you know they get this from me every day this can't affect you if you're solid inside yeah mm. so no matter who says oh i don't like that song or this isn't it's just like man we're, we're, we're solid in here mm -hmm. like we know it's good right those people that we're playing it for love it you know yeah that's so you're important. like a gen xer living like a millennial you know that you don't have a job specifically that you turn, like you say nine to five turn up every morning and go to you're living your lifestyle the way on your terms yeah and that's that's refreshing to hear. I wish I could do the same thing. Uh, Thank it's, you. It, it's it's amazing, but it's also like I always think like, isn't that obvious? <laughs> like, yeah. I just think you only get one life. Like, why yeah. why yeah. do you why do we spend so much of our time worrying about doing everything right by other people? Yeah, I think it's just social conditioning or it something. Is. It you must know? be. Yeah, you know? like trained from day one. Yeah. yeah, I mean, sometimes people go, "Oh, you don't have a house. You don't have." I'm like, but I. It's just you know, it's just it doesn't worry me. You right. know what people kind of. Presume people presume what they're going to presume, you mm. know. Mm. So you're in New Zealand for the summer. What are your plans? Yeah, um, I'm. I'm here to. I, I've, I've been home for a year, right? Uh, and I and I, I've had an incredible year reconnecting with where I was born, Auckland, but yeah. like the whole of New Zealand. I've been just like getting on that mana bus, mm. and I've been up in Ahipara, and I've been in Openoni a lot. I've been in Matapihi and the Mount and Hawks. But like, I've just been. It was just time to really come home. Is your daughter based in Auckland? Yeah, well, she's right. in Otago. Oh, so right. she's in, she's just okay. finished her second year of law. Cool. Oh, okay. So she was up there with me, and then she chose Otago. Great. And just she's in her second year. Are you like one of those mums that turns up at the door with the leather jackets yeah. and the cigarettes and like, can I just sleep on your couch for a, you know, and she's like with her friends, oh, my God, my mother, she's a yeah. bloody rock star. Yeah. Don't, don't do the cigarettes. But she, she, was in, she, she played, uh, represented New Zealand in lacrosse. And then I, she, I was able to kind of get her out of New Zealand, or get her out. I was able to get her up to America, and she started playing um, lacrosse for the Trojans at USC. Yeah, okay. And I was the only single mum, and I would literally turn up with my boots and my phone and my leather jacket. And I, but I was never, I never missed one lacrosse practice. I went to all the lacrosse games. <laughs> I might have been walking up and down on my phone, and yeah, Luca would look at me and go, "Yep, yep, whatever," like you know. Um, and it is, is that the one with the big hook in yeah, the ball? Yeah, yeah, right, it was so it. wicked. I mean, we, we, right. She went all over America playing lacrosse, and, wow. and she was the captain of the Santa Monica lacrosse team. And I was literally, like, again, the proudest moments when she, oh, my God, it was just <laughs> so cool. Um, but I've never not been there. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's kind of been something for her because she's lived with this minimalistic 
attitude for, for, for a very long time. Yeah. And so Luca is exactly the same. She, she doesn't need much, mm. but she's filled up inside with life experiences. I've take, took her on the road. She moved up to America when I started, took Greg Johnson up. Okay. So she came on the road. She was in New York and Boston for all our shows. Cool. She was selling our merch right. with the wallflowers and Greg was opening up for the wallflowers. Luca was selling merch. Oh, the wallflowers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. Rami's a really good friend of these and Foo Fighters. Oh, nice. He gave us his house because I've had no He gave us his, uh, I had his place in um, Paradise Cove in Malibu mm-hmm. for a while. It was a... Um, it was a mobile home. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Luca was there. So she's she's the trailer. Been, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the, yeah, it was the trailer. Yeah. So she's had she's had life experience filled her filling her up and she's she's had to live with a mother that doesn't sometimes we don't have a home. Yeah. You know, and like when she was sixteen and she moved up to live with me full time in LA and I was managing a band full time, which like I do, and signed a record deal in New York for them. And, and she was like, okay, well, this is, you know, it was hard for her, I think, at, at, at the beginning to not know that she couldn't hang posters in her room. And and I think that kind of, like, did her head in a little bit. Oh, God, I can't, you know. But then she she moved through it. Right. So at, she's 20 now. And I think that it's it's amazing that she has been given this gift of of, of a mindset. Yeah. Choose well, it or not. There's something to say about, uh, as a parent, um, setting an example for your, your kids, right? Yeah. So, you know, showing that, I mean, if you give up everything you are to become a parent, I I don't know if that's a positive thing. I think that you be who you are and that inspires your kid to be who they want to be. Right. Teach them Mm. how to be. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, kids follow actions, not words. What kind of um, Mm. law is she getting into? Um, She's doing law and politics. And at the moment she wants to do family law first. I think it was international law initially, but I think now she's starting to think I might just, she might just go straight into family law and then branch from there right, right? but right. she's loving Otago I've been down a few times and yep. Castle Street oh. uh, you know <laughs> yeah. it's just it's, it's, she's so happy I'm so happy for her yeah, yeah. yeah. excellent awesome yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. And so while you're in New Zealand, are you working with any local bands or in, are you involved in the industry at all here? I really wanted to. Like right. I really, I, you know, I, I wanted to come home and work in the industry here and sort of like share and help, mm. you know, um, but it just nothing kind of eventuated. Okay. You know, and so, um, and I didn't want to kind of like, you know, go over to Sydney and, you know, so um, I was consulting for a, a local band um, called The Batch, RJ Cairo. He was um, in a band, Shotgun Alley, that I helped oh, yeah. out for a little while. Um, that was for a few months, but nothing that, you know, nothing that I hoped would happen has really kind of happened yet. Right. Mm, you okay. know, um, I just kind of, when you sit in, in America and you, you think about the the X factor that New Zealand has and the Pacific Island as well, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to find another band that sounds like I want uniqueness the and something thing. that's yeah. true to you know. And I'm a Kiwi, so I'm really open, like right. you know, so open to that happening. Um, it just hasn't happened in this year, okay. um, yet, you know. Well, I guess it's a rare alignment that you're looking for, isn't it? It is, you see. So it's not like it's not like there's one just in every next house. Or no, something. no, it's yeah. it's really it's teamwork, and yeah. it's it's really um, it takes a while, you know. With Dead Poet Society, um, we signed a contract a year ago yesterday. Okay. So even though we've been you know in each other's lives for three years, we actually signed um, a contract a year ago yesterday. Right. Okay. And you know it's been a year of building, mm. you know, 
and mm-hmm. now we're I'm in the middle of negotiating a record deal for them. Yeah. So we hope to hit the ground running in 2018, and I'm already putting together that plan. Yeah. Um, but it's funny, isn't it? You know how sometimes, you know, without all those dots, that magic doesn't happen. Mm, right. So sometimes it's all about the dots. It's all yeah. about the legwork. It's all about the shows. It's all about yeah. all of that. And they've worked. We've worked really hard, right? And um, and yeah, so I, I see people playing around all the time. That I think, man, that, that person's incredible. Yeah. But I'm just, I just don't know if they have the follow through, or if they have the other things they need to turn it into something. Yeah, you know, yeah. you just can't sort of write a like some some. I think some artists think, oh, let's write a good song and put it out there. You know, I think maybe now, you know, sometimes a song can go viral, mm. but for me, you don't have the fans. Who's going to come and see you? Yeah. You know what I mean? Well the, well, the viral thing is like just winning the lottery, isn't that's it? Right. It's just a random event. Yeah. 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 But I think that's also how the industry still presents the story to us. Uh-huh. You know, with certain success um, stories in recent New Zealand history, you know, just write a song and then you be- go to the top of the charts yeah. in America. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that then. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, with yeah. not much more explanation. It's actually really yeah. misleading. Yeah. I'm mm. really about the song. Like, that's mm. the song and the fact. Like, I'm it's, really, It all really starts it. there, doesn't I'm it? I'm so about really? that. It yeah. starts there, but it, that's not all it takes. No, it does yeah. not. No, no, no. 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 No, it it, mm. it it just uh, now there's just all those other components. That's right. You know, and then you know you get bands that break up. You know, you yeah. know, so so that formula of of having a win. Yeah. You know, it it it's not easy. Mm. Uh, you know, as far as what I mean is is like a, a manager and a band and longevity and, yeah. and all those yeah. things. Um, but um. Yeah, it, it, it takes the time. This is going to go contrary to what you've just said, probably. But if there were five <laughs> points that you could put to a band to say, if you did these five things right, it will put you in a good place to, you know, everyone needs these five things or three, two or three things, maybe. Put you in the way of success. It'll just put you, it'll give you the opportunity to be the best that you can be for those other opportunities to come along. Yeah. As opposed to just kind of, like you say, putting a song out and hoping that someone. Mm. So, what what are the qualities that are, that are, that an artist needs to be? successful or to get them on that path of success to start them off um i think the first thing that i would say is be honest with this with your songwriting and write from your heart and and don't be afraid to say lyrically what you want to say or write the music that you want to write because if you're really writing honestly um again that will that will come across and that will be heard Mm. and that honesty and those lyrics will connect and once you have connection and and you move the listener, things grow. Right. right. So first okay. I think it would be the honesty in your songwriting and the music. Mm-hmm. Um, the second would be play. Right. Play in your garage. Mm. Yeah. B- b- you know, make a noise in your garage. Just yeah. play as much as you can, wherever you can. Play, play, play. Yeah. Um, and then social media. Mm-hmm. Social media, um, not just post something, but like, you know, engage, mm. connect, yeah. communicate. Right. You know, um, um, that would be the third thing. Um, and the fourth thing, which I think is super important, is it's it's really important to understand or or, or, or know that it's not about the, the end goal, it's about the journey. Yeah. Okay. I yep. think that's so key. It's just like, this is today, man, this is... Yeah. This is, you know, and this is all that matters, man. You know, it's not about, oh, we're going to one day get that record deal or like whatever. You yeah, need a yeah. record deal, you know. It's great. Um, just just make it about the journey mm. and make it 
about the fact that you love it mm. and 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 I think that that attitude would be the the, the last thing and because right. um, the there's there is no end goal is there there's none I was there's thinking none. about the other day we, like we had a pretty big gig the other day and and I was, I was looking forward to it for a while and then I think the day before I was thinking. In a couple of days, that gig's now going to be in the past. Yeah. I mean, no, it wasn't it wasn't that big a gig, but <laughs> but, yeah. but I mean, so they say thirteen thousand people were there. I don't know. Yeah, I know. But what I mean is that it, it wasn't the particular gig that was making me think that way. It's just more right. sort of it's just the idea of all of these standout moments in your, or, or, yeah. all of these moments that you you look forward to, and then all of a sudden it's after the moment. In the yeah, mirror. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mm. and like if you have if you win some award or you get some particular type of achievement. That's great, but then what do you do after that? Yeah, mm. so, it's a, so it's very much about the journey. It really is about the journey, and I think yeah. that's what screws a lot of musician uh, people up. Mm. You know, is the fact that they're all about the end result, or they're all about the goal that like tomorrow. You know, they win, and and really it, it should be about the journey. And yeah. I, and and the last thing I think is more my philosophy, but I use it with my band, is is in a way kind of be a lighthouse. So what I mean by be a lighthouse is. Be solid in, in, in your art. Mm. You know, like just be solid and own it and shine it bright. Right. Because once, you, once you're once you in it and you own it and you're just, you're, you're about the journey, you're playing it and then a, tomorrow night at a, at a bar and you're doing your social media and you own it and you're singing from your heart yeah. about what you want to sing about and you're not holding back, um, all of those powers of be will start to come. Yeah. Yeah, right. you don't need to go chasing. You don't need to ring anybody. You don't need to like be the yeah. next fad, right. or you know, be you. Yep. So passion and authenticity—it's going to open doors for 100%. you. Mm. Yep, that's, that's great. Are you, any plans to bring Dead Poet Society down to Hell New Zealand? Yeah. I was just going to ask yep. that. We should, get, yeah. we should get them in here. Oh man! Yeah. Hell yeah! yeah. I'm, I mean, God, yeah. It's like I mean, it would be except they, for Nick. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> we don't do that sort of thing around here. Well, not with the mics on. <laughs> yeah, Nick can come yeah. after we finish. Yeah. Well, the, look, the exciting thing is I can't say that I don't want to say the name right now. God bless you, but um, we um, I'm I, next week I should have a contract in my hands for this band. Awesome. Um, and it's a new model, and I can't go into details too much. But what's really exciting about this is you have a triangle. So you have the band first and foremost. Excellent. Me, and then you have this third party that is now involved with us. Wow. Mm. That's a- Great idea. Yeah, yeah. and 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 so, so the ba- sorry. Let me get this straight. The band are at the top of the food always. chain. Well, they should be. They yeah. haven't always been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, They've always been at the bottom. Oh, no, but, no, 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 no. But no. this model, yeah, is this something that you've devised? Well, or? we with this 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 new um, third party third investor, party. angel investor, or are they a music uh, industry? It's a record label. Okay, it's an indie cool. Label. That's all you have to say. Yeah, and and he is extremely about the music. Right. And um and he's about. You know, the new, let's, 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 it's a new way of doing things, you mm. know, because the old model mm. isn't working anymore. Right. Mm. So we, we, you know, Greg and I were like the pioneers, Greg Johnson and I, back in the day of manager and artist going up there and, you know, doing yeah. what we did. Yeah. Um, and I think that perhaps this might be another pioneer-type scenario where, um, you know, um, the third party and myself and the band we all want the success for each other, so mm. that's what's super cool. That's like yeah. as much as I want these guys to be a household name around the world, which they can potentially be. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, they want the success for me as a New Zealand rock music manager. Right, like right. they want that success. They want 
they want it for me so much. So yeah. you're all invested that's, in each other's success. And that's yeah, and our and our new brilliant. friend yeah is you know yeah. he's so supportive of me and the fact that I'm from New Zealand and I've been down here for a year and I'm I'm talking to this our new friend on Skype every day negotiate we talk we talk you know they want it so much for yeah. me so yeah. it's mm. it's like a win win and and we want to kind of set a precedent that it's possible right. Yeah, you know that it's it, it's just possible. So I'm super excited right now, and and um and I and I've got a really good feeling. We've got a great music attorney on board for the band, um, which is so, so important. Oh, yeah. that, you know, yeah. mm. um, and so we've we've got we've got a team that can we can all turn up at the gig and drink a beer together and go, yeah, man, you know, yeah. Um, so I'm really excited, and this new model, um, you know, give us a year. You know, we'd we'd like to kickstart 2018 with the plan in place. Should this fly, then mm. I'd love to, I you know, I'd love to take take on another band. Mm, mm. You know, yeah. you know, I I mean, I I I'm going to do this for my life, and I'd really love to do that. Um, yeah. It's a little bit tricky at the moment because I work about I work full time. You know, I work. You know, um, and people don't I think understand that you as a manager, you're doing what a good A&R person did in the day. Right, yeah. yes. You know, yeah. I mean, back in the day, but now we're doing it all. And so it's, yeah. it's you know, people go, oh, can you not, can't you just manage me? And can't, and, it, and I, I can't do it if I can't do it because like, yeah. I let you down and I, I don't want to do that. But I don't think people really understand how much time, energy and intuition, you know, all of those things really go into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. You know, um, so... I'm fingers crossed that you know it all flows the way that it's kind of looking like it's going to flow. Well, when when dead poets are in New Zealand, we'd yeah. love to talk to them. I'd love and, that. And, and it would also be really interesting to have you back in a year or oh, so. Thank you. Um, once yeah. the model's been working thank for a bit, thank you so much. Yeah, I'd we love could that. we could talk about how it's how it goes how it works out. I'd love yeah. that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, I'd love that. And great for the boys as well because they're part of you know like in the old days <laughs> when it was just really about the music and playing live. Having people who are really passionate around you—that's what's exactly what's happening with Dead Poet Society. Yeah, yeah, they've they've got our new friend and me and and our lawyer. We're all so passionate about the music. Yeah, fantastic. And we're all just like, we'll figure it out. We'll hustle. We'll find a way. And so it's it's so it's so cool. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just like you just you just get to do what you love with people that are really cool as well and. The, you way, the way you spend your time. What a great way to finish it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for your time and for coming oh, in. Yeah. Thank Michelle you Becker. so much for having me. It's been awesome. Thank been you. So much fun. And enlightening, actually. It's oh, really cool. Thank you very much for having me. We're all living our truth, Danny. Just live your truth, man. <laughs> I think I'm living your truth. I, you are a part of my figment of my magnet. I'm a character in your movie. Yep. Right. That's true. How did that happen? Why are you the hero in my movie? <laughs> Shouldn't it be oh, I'm me? the hero. <laughs> anyway, well, thank you so much to Michelle Becker for yes. for um, spending time with Inspirational. us. Inspirational and, and, so and more power to her and her band. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens. I'm mm. really, I really, genuinely want to meet the band, talk to the band, mm. and and touch base with her again and see how the new model went. Yep, absolutely. And thank yeah. you to uh, our sponsors, uh, Rains Gibson and Matthews Accountants Limited, RGMAccountants.co.nz. Get in there, you good things. Yeah. And everyone who's listening, thank you as always. Spread the word and do your thing and enjoy yourselves and <laughs> yeah, enjoy each other. Absolutely, enjoy I'm each saying. other. <laughs> Wait, that got weird. <laughs> as always, see you on the next one. Later.
you find what we're doing useful and you like this podcast, please do like, share and subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. Bye.